Hello, and welcome to February 2023's Dante's Old South. I'm your host, Clifford Brooks, and on this episode, we feature the second half of my conversation with Kendall Hippolyte. We chat with Wang Ping. Now, if you thought that that was all you're going to have this hour, you would be grossly mistaken because we have two songs from Neil Francis and one from Warfield. Now, before we get into the good stuff, I want to thank a few people that make this show absolutely worth listening to. And they include Mercer University Press, the Woodbridge Inn, Autism Speaks, Mostly Mutts, The Red Phone Booth, Liberty Trust Hotel, WUTC, NPR, Richard Wyndham, and the man of the hour, Michael Amaday. Now, let's get this puppy rolling with Very Fine from Neil Francis. i 
I uh, so many questions, man. And it's you answered you answer and more every single time. I don't know if I answered your question. You've just made me a better person after every answer that you that you give me, man. My to jump in on this one. Um, there, I had a mentor once that said in poetry, either you lie and lie big, or you tell the truth. And and I'm not trying to take some moral high ground, but. I've always thought that it was inherently known that poetry was the truth. That's where people went for the truth. They went for, or again, like, as you said, you know, when I was 14, this is the way a heartbreak really did feel, you yeah. know, um, you go to fiction because that's what fiction means. Lie. You know, that's, that's where you make up stuff. Now I'm not one of those people that you will, I'm just going to fist fight over it. You know what I'm saying? But uh, it, it's it, it does seem like in poetry, when you come in and lie, it's like the drunk guy at the bar that's telling you about how many people he's beat up and how many women he slept with. And, you know, it has a it has it it, it, it reads like, again, yeah, it's funny. It's like a comic book. Like, all right, be tough guy. That's awesome. I mean, mm-hmm. I like this. Poem. But when and even if, you know, with when you when you speak with honesty, it, it's um, for me, um, yes, not about me. Well, when I was writing my first book, I actually had the thought, okay, I've done some stuff that's not, I'm not real proud of. So, um, uh, in, in case, and this was even narcissistic where I, I hadn't been published at all. And I was like, there's a chance that this book's going to be big enough that someone's going to come out and say, Cliff did this terrible thing. And I thought, well, let's just put it in the book. You know, let's, let's go ahead. And that, 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 that self-protecting act, actually, I think, where I take this from what you're saying is that it made me stand up in an honesty that I didn't take in life. I didn't talk about that in life. I didn't tell anybody about right, this, right, right. but, and it was, I was, and it was just this, um, and I, I can't tell you where sometimes like where these ideas came from, because in that time when I wasn't anything, the last thing I should have been thinking about was like, somebody's going to buy this book. And it's going to be so important that somebody's going to make a phone call and say Cliff Brooks, did, you know, and so, but the, the, <laughs> the indirect benefit was that um, it's that it's that honesty when that, that I see people latch on to, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it doesn't matter, it, you know, what mood you're in and, and, and the fact that you uh, I've never, again, I guess I've never asked the question, you know, I've, I've always, whenever I go to a, go to, a, go to a reading, I find out just like you, like how much time I have. If they give me 10 minutes, I do seven. You know, I want the best thing in the world is to have them going, oh, no, 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 no. When you come off stage, you know, the worst thing, like you said, you could feel it when they're like, oh, God, please shut up. Please shut up. (laughs) Who hurts you and why do you hurt others? Come on, man. You know, and uh, when, you know, when you can get wooed into it and you feel a crowd, it's now I I think I have been. I have dabbled in theater, so I'm not, I'm not trying to speak as anything near uh, uh, an authority, but <coughs> you're right. Like with improv, you could be at the reading and if you know your work and you, you pra- again, you practice it, you were know, to stand, how to, to, how to, how to deliver that line, every mm-hmm. poem, you can see we're like, okay, this isn't going well. I'm not, they're not really humming with this. Yeah. Let's try this one. And yeah. then it's how you bring it back, you know? And, and the, again, I, I'm going to beat this to death. I love that you bring these things up because they're they're the components when people say, why isn't my stuff catching on? It's it's good and it is good. It's the delivery. It's yeah. it's the it's the truth of it, you know. And, it, and can you get back there? And if you can't talk about the poem, uh, don't read it. Yeah, you know, I feel that way. If, 
if you go to the if, if like at a reading they read uh a particular poem and, and uh someone in the crowd says well tell me more about that poem and they say oh that's too close i can't i can't read it like i have poems that are like that but it, to me it's like for the performance don't do that you know it, it, it's do it when you can because again it's, right. it's the gift it's kind of like again it's, it's the it's the idea of the um the give and take and the theater of it that you you came out let me give you Mm-hmm. yeah the truth yeah. behind it yeah, yeah 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 when people they ask you about okay what when they ask you what a poem's about how do you approach that mm-hmm. um well first off it's kind of like the spirit in which it is asked depending on who says it, and the spirit in which it is asked is what's um is what will will kind of guide me into into how i respond um sometimes people ask those things sometimes or sometimes it seems a person may ask those things. Um, not always, you know, but sometimes the person will ask those things, partly because it's the kind of thing that people feel that like they should ask. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So I do. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like it's coming from somewhere. So first of all, I kind of have to feel the spirit in which the question is coming at me. Mm-hmm. And then, and that will, that will guide just how far I go how deep I go, um, how wide I go into mm-hmm. responding to it. If if it's um, if it feels, um, you know, the, the language always gets cliche and tired. But if, if it feel like if the question if it feels to me like the question is coming from uh, somewhere <clears throat> genuine, mm-hmm. um, that you know. The reason for asking it has to do with something the person is genuinely trying to understand, puzzle through. They're hoping to get a bit closer to an understanding of it, and that's why they're asking. Um, then, um, as to how, as to how autobiographical I get, like about the circumstances out of which the poem came and what I was, uh, well, what I thought I might have been aiming for. Um, that will vary because even, you know, when, when, when you're being so-called autobiographical, you're also speaking about other persons because, you know, whatever those autobiographical events were, there were other persons involved in it, you know? Yeah, um, right. so, um, so, so that, again, would be something conditioning in, in, in a as to it, 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 yeah, the condition again. How far I go? How deep I go? How how explicitly factual um, I am? Um, um, and I think in in general, I I I kind of will want to like pause somewhere in my explanation and 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 see um, is am I am I beginning to answer what you what you yes so, yes um, yes guide, guide me if I, if I'm if I'm, you know, if if you feel like you're going any closer, oh, I absolutely would. Yeah, that, that you are, you know, that you're looking for, or the kind is, of about- exactly. This is more. This is you going way beyond the Call of Duty, man. Please continue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So well, I'm, I'm I'm not even sure that that is that's much more I, I want to say. Um. Um. Because you see, I, I mean, at the end of people come together for like, you know. 90 minutes, two hours, whatever, you know, for yeah. exchange. At the end of it, 
ideally, ideally, um, ideally, everybody in there, including you, you know, um, should be leaving the place and going home feeling in some way um, slightly changed. Um, I don't. I want to say not not better necessarily, but but some 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 kind of slight shift. Yes. Should have some kind of slight shift. Yes. Should have happened there. You know. Mm -hmm. Some something something still should have happened in there. That that's. Well, I mentioned it before, uh, and I would love. I feel like it's perfectly fit here. Could you read us one of your poems? Again, I'm I'm not even sure what impulses took me to to this one. Um, I'll say some. I'll say something um, up front. Uh, well, I'll say something first. I like. I really like experimenting with forms in, in poetry, uh -huh. both both traditional forms, um, and um, insofar as one can describe you know, the, the various kind of ways of of unifying a poem that you that you'll find in free verse and even you know you know number of free verse poems. You, you know you won't be able to put a, a label. Mm -hmm. of form to a particular one but the but but the unity in it is happening and again again see when, when when i'm teaching creative writing all the time as well in my poetry um I, I come back to this again and again and again the, the work of art whether, whether whether it's a poem whether it's a song you know whatever and i, I love your interest in song by the way um but it's you know whether, whether it's poetry whether it's song whether, whether, it, whether it's a visual piece whatever um uh, some of the hefty reasons for its impact um, is the fact that it's it's unified. There are elements inside it in some way that are making it cohere, you know, yeah. so that as you go from one, in the case of a poem, as you move from one line to the next, to the next, to the next, there, there are things that are being carried from the first line into the, maybe into the third, possibly, you know, uh, maybe into the the, the fourth or seventh or that there are things that are being carried and and reminding you even subliminally of things in the in the lines that you go before be, be, because of similarities or contrasts you know there's, there's it's, it's got to cohere in some kind of way oh no you know? I, feel, I i can see exactly what you're talking about i'm with yeah yeah and and in, tra in traditional poetry it's 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 easier to see what the <clears throat> What 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 the devices, what the factors of, of of coherence are? You know, I mean, it's easier to see for similarities in rhythm and rhyme and you know, and 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 in sound and textures. That that's very very upfront in traditional poetry. And let me say this too, um, I I I think it's a great. I think of a lot of traditional poetry as, um, and, I'm, and I'm just talking in terms of workshop workshop practice, right. as it's a great. Air training. Same musicians need to, you know, get air training. You know, um, yeah, and, and you, you you need you need to know what a waltz is, and you know, and be able to play one. Even though you may you may never have any reason to to compose. Agreed. Jazz, Agreed. Jazz, and I go yeah. back to jazz musicians all the time. Jazz musicians. Yeah. Yes, I love you so, so much, man. Yeah. You don't necessarily have to bring it into that thing directly, but they know all of them. Mm -hmm. They know the technique, you know. They know they know it technically. So, mm -hmm. so I feel I feel a lot of traditional poetry is like technical training, air training. Yes. You know? um, 
and then you can recognize you can you can you can recognize the elements in you know all kinds of ways. But um, I'm seeing all this as a long background. See, I like I like to experiment with form. I, I like the challenges that um that that form brings. I like the way it can like constrains you, and yet at the same time that very constraint such that it's forcing you into into directions that that yes. might not have planned. And that's as it should be because exactly how did you take it out of my mouth? Yes, yeah, yeah, I can, I can. if it's predictable, don't write it. You know, ah, like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah, oh, I love this conversation, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So again, I, I tell people in workshops and otherwise, the words that we're using they are older than you. A word yes. like stone, uh-huh. word like water, they've been around for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years all kinds of people have used them in all kinds of ways yeah. they come with life psychic currents you know and, yeah. and, and when when you're working with these words um in 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 more constricted forms then <laughs> you, you, you have to you have to you know, like pay obeisance yeah you, you, you have to serve <laughs> them because they're in there the word a word may demand a rhyme because you're working in a rhyming form the word demands a rhyme you got to give the word its respect uh-huh. and either you know don't give it a cheap cheesy kind of rhyme it's it's asking for a rhyme but as yeah. part of it we have unifying with the rest of the poem you know so yeah um anyway so i like to experiment with form one of the forms i i came across one um i can't remember how long ago it's not a common form but i happen i like it um this is um, an echo poem at, oh, I remember the first time I came across an echo poem, it was um, Tom, Tom Gunn, mm-hmm. uh, settled in California and did blah, 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 English poet originally, you probably know all this, um, but he, he, had, he had an echo poem, I came across an anthology, and I was just absolutely fascinated by it, um, and I've, I've done a, a couple of them, just, just, just for myself, just because, you know, I, I mean, like, all of us write stuff that never ever yeah. it's yeah. part of the self-training, um, but this particular one, um, so I'm going to do, um, is, is an echo poem. Um, it's called 42 Chisel Street. Um, 42 Chisel Street is the first house that I grew up um, in, um, in, in Castry, St. Lucia. Uh, my parents sold it, I think, when I was, I was about like age, not about, I was age nine. And we moved from there into one house after another, after another, after another, after another. And sometimes I would, as, as an adult, I would go back on, and just go back. The house is no longer there. Not important. All that's important. Um, and just just go back to to the site, to the physical site of where the house used to be. Um, I, I I did that not not only with Niam, with that house, but with a number of other places. There was a time I was doing a whole series of poems about the the the, the capital castries where I grew up, and I was just revisiting revisiting it, walking streets that I hadn't walked for like years. And you know, anyway, <clears throat> cut a long story short. Um, it's called 42 Chisel Street. It's an echo poem. <clears throat> 42 Chisel Street. The house, like most, is gone. A beauty salon now, where f- fluttering girls can make the dullest hair bounce. Curl and listen. Listen. Who's that? I look around. Not a sound now, and yet something else moves in the blue late night. 
small and shy. I hear, where, where are you? I, I can't see, who are you? Tell me who, who is this calling out to me and why? You sound familiar. You grew up in this place. Show me your face now once and I'll remember. Is it because you think I will not know? No. Then show me. If you were one of us, give me your trust now and tell me who you are so our conversation can continue. What do you mean? That you are me? Last son of Geraldine and Kent, brother of Kent Jr. and Hogarth, a grandmother who lived in Cayenne? When we left this place, I was just nine. Did I leave you behind here? And is this where you live? And is your life ongoing? Going? Like so much else, both new and old, we don't know what to hold on to anymore. We don't know what we should believe. believe. You stayed. 42 Chisel Street. Did you wait 40 years to greet me here again? I walked by so often blind. What can I do to amend? I'm a poet now. I remember you liked rhymes. But Kendall, sometimes, honestly, I wonder what can poetry and poets do with so much passing? Now let's take a break and listen up here for Strawberry Letter 23 from Neil Francis.
And now, on Dante's Old South, we have Wayne Payne, poet, filmmaker, world traveler, yoga instructor, master of Chinese medicine, traveler for life, rower, and a personal friend. How are you doing, Wayne Payne? I'm excellent. It was really nice to actually finally meeting you and Lynn Keeman. And uh, even though what I imagine what you look like is so different from your real you, but that's okay. That's life, right? Full of surprises and yeah. beyond your imagination. You know? That's what I hope for. That's what I hope for. I'm yeah. going to take that as a compliment right now. But yes. uh, Lynn Keeman, my co-host, she has been on this show before. Lynn Keeman, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you. Now, as we launch into this program, Wang Ping, what makes you happy? Life. To be alive and to live a life fully, uh, not wasting a minute, a second, and to live a life just with full awareness, who I am, what I'm doing, and uh, that I'm useful and can bring some joy to the world, to the people. And uh, yeah, that makes me happy. That's Writing the best poetry, dance, <laughs> row in the river, and see the snow, and see the flower, and grow food in my garden, and see it grow flowers. And uh, yeah, talk yeah, with birds, <laughs> talk with my vegetables when I cook them, and listen to their instruction how to cook them, you know, and okay. eat a, a really good food every day, every meal anticipating what's to eat, what to eat next and what to write, what poem and essay and film to make next. And uh, so, yeah, all these things makes me very happy. There Talking a... to you um, at uh, uh, Dante Oates Radio makes me very happy. We're wonderful. It, it, it's an honor to have you here. And there's an enormous amount to unpack in that. That's, that's, that, that's the best reason to be happy in life that I can imagine. And what I catch from that is when you talk about you speak to food and, and you, with Chinese medicine, I know nothing about this. So as you talk about this intimacy with the culinary part of life, what do you mean by that? How does that work? Well, well, food is food is so important to everyone, to life, right? And uh, so we are what we eat. And in Chinese medicine, um, everything we eat and drink is medicine, mm -hmm. right? And that's mm -hmm. our philosophy. So, the like. Yeah, and actually we all know that, right? So we have a lot of folk medicine food, you know, uh, recipe like chicken soup, right? When you get cold, grandma mm -hmm. would say, make some chicken soup and and there's a reason for it, right? Right. And like dandelions, right? The weeds, right? And from head to its roots, from its flower to the roots, 
the dandelion is medicine and this has hundreds of ways of healing people right mm-hmm. and uh our life the philosophy that you live by right. i have to ask now how you found that and to start that tell us about your education right okay how i found it that's a great question well i was born in china and when i was two years uh second grade uh when i was like eight or nine uh, the cultural revolution began and all the schools were like closed and books were burned and I already, when I was five years old, right, I uh, suddenly, I heard the story of Little Mermaid on radio, actually. Mm-hmm. I have lifelong relationship with radio. And that's also because in China at the time, uh, radio was our own entertainment. There was nothing, right? We have no water. Uh, life was hard, right? You know, the, we have no water, no electricity, no heat no AC in the house, right? And uh, so I grew I grew my own food and raised my own chickens and uh, carry, just find our own fuel to, 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 to cook, right? And uh, to feed the family. And, but then one day uh, I heard this Little Mermaid story on the radio and I just wanted to go to college since then. And I wanted to leave this island on East China Sea to go to college and to see the world and to read all the best books, great books on earth. That's my dream. But then the Cultural Revolution came and my dream just completely broke, shattered, right? So, and I have no, like, there was no school and I just, became my full-time actually job to to actually grow food, raise animals to feed my family because my father was exiled. My mother was also in kind of prison. And uh, so, but then I found this box of books my mother buried under the chicken coop. And I used that box, uh, box of books and I read, I read, and I formed an underground book club. And so we would hide in the woods and exchange books and read and taught each other and told each other stories and taught each other, you know, like just things like military training, I remember, and uh, ballet dance and uh, uh, sword and uh, some math, basic math, right? And, uh, but mostly cultural because science is just really difficult to self-teach, right? Mm-hmm. So, so finally, I, so I missed my education from third grade to high school. And then uh, when I was early in my early 20s, I, them, and I went, I got into the best university in China, that's Beijing University. So I just leapt. And actually, I, 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 I called it that I leapt into the best university 
on one leg because I have to give up uh, the entrance exam on the math, chemistry, uh, physics, and another one I forgot what is it? Uh, uh, geology, yeah. right? Yeah. Because there's no, I have no textbooks and never studied it. But I did learn some English. I did learn English on the radio, from the radio. Yeah. And, uh, um, and I learned Chinese literature and history on my own, basically. So, so I gave up the science and I have to get the best, like the full scores on the humanity. And I was that like complete, like I, my total score is still very high for me to get into Beijing University, you know? So that is my education. And so the, when I came to America, I came to America for grad school. I, I got like two masters um, in English American literature. Then I got a PhD uh, in comparative literature. And uh, then one day I walked into the wrong classroom and it turned out to be a creative writing class. That's how I met Louis Walsh, Professor Walsh, poet and writer. Mm -hmm. And he introduced me to Allen Ginsberg, who was looking for an uh, interpreter to help him to host the first Chinese American, uh, America, China, America, or America, China poetry festival, right? That's uh, like that was the very first one, actually, in America. So I was able to work very closely with Allen Ginsberg for like six to eight months every day. Mm -hmm. And uh, then I got to travel, uh, meet the best poets from both sides, right? The best poets from China, the best poets from America, including Gary Snyder, oh. John Ashbery, Kenneth Koch, all these great poets right and i through the translation i started writing poetry right mm -hmm. and i didn't realize that translation actually is the key to enter the poetry world and many masters including uh ezra pound mm -hmm. including uh the german poet um rilke mm -hmm. right and, that's my boy yeah, yeah and they all like just advise the young poets like translation, 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 right? Mm -hmm. So after that festival, uh, I had a quarrel uh, at, with Allen Ginsberg. It's not my fault because over like Tibetan Buddhism, right? He mm -hmm. started yelling at me for, tra for translating for him what the Chinese poets were saying about Tibetan Buddhism. And he started yelling and cussing me. And I just said, Alan, I'm translating for you. Mm -hmm. Why are you yelling and cussing me? <laughs> you know, uh -huh. <laughs> I'm working for you. <laughs> right? Okay, actually. <laughs> 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 so uh, anyway, so of course I didn't say that, you know. Um, That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I was starving because, you know, it's, I don't make money, right? And. I was a student and I couldn't really work, right? Right. And so, you know, my 
you know, weekly allowance was like $20. That includes like subway fees and food, right? Right. You know, and yeah, I just ate like one package of ramen a day kind of to survive, right? You know, and, and I was helping them, you know, volunteer to help them, which is great for me, right? But at the same time, you know, I was helping, right? I wanted I wanted to hear about the river within us um, when it's coming out and tell us a little bit about the book and and then and then backtrack and tell us a little bit about I am immigrant which is out now came out in twenty twenty right. I think right so the immigration my name is Im- immigrant was well was of course like it's a work of. Actually, the work started when I arrived in America as an immigrant, right? And uh, so the poems actually spans like almost 30 years. And uh, the theme is of course about immigration and immigration experience and uh, not just me. Before my earlier books is all about my own personal experience, but that book, I really could feel using my own experience, I could feel and, uh, you know, sing with, along with other immigrants, right? Their feelings. I can't say I speak for them because I can, we can never speak for other people, right? Mm -hmm. And we can only sing or speak along together with them. In 2012, I went back to China. When I whenever I go back to China, I always travel along the Yangtze River, and I don't know why in the beginning, right? And that year, a friend asked me to bring some of uh, some flags, right, of mm-hmm. artwork. He just stapled them together, six six pieces of fabric, uh, artwork on fabric. He mm-hmm. stapled together and asked me to to bring it to uh, Tibet. And uh, by the way, Tibet, I since I my quarrel with Allen Ginsberg over Tibet, we became best friends. And mm-hmm. I started traveling to Tibet because I wanted to know the truth, right? And right. Uh, what's going on. And I've been going back to Tibet, like every time I go back to China, I will go to Tibet. So, so the, those six pieces of like, you know, uh, art was Chinese. Uh, Ch- In the beginning, I asked some Chinese fishermen to hang like on the island where the, the, the Yangtze River meets the East China Sea, mm-hmm. right? It's a confluence, right? And it's very difficult to get there. So the fishermen look at the art and say, ah, no, 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 this is like, like bad luck, right? Because mm-hmm. it does like have some devil kind of face, right? And, uh, and I had to bribe the fisherman. I paid him a lot of money to just for him to like take that uh, to that conference. He claimed he did, but he never brought any photos. So, so I have right. no idea if he did it or not. But then the second set, I promised the artist, a friend, I will bring it to Tibet. And I was standing on this like 14,000 feet on the mountain. And the mountain was just covered by prayer flags. 
right? And Tibet, Tibetans have this, oh, uh, they, they, they consider mountains and rivers all sacred mm -hmm. and they would hang this like, I don't know how they do it, just like miles long and millions of prayer flags with printed sutra on the fabric, right? And they would cover the mountains and bridges and rivers like with, with the prayer flags. So I thought I would just hang those bad luck, ill looking you know, flags there, right? And, right? and I was gasping for air because the air was really thin. And I just struggled and I hang it there. And I stepped back and just suddenly I just saw those flags just pick up so much force once it's melted into join the force of millions of prayers, right? And I just, I just suddenly had a vision and just thought I've been like writing, teaching, writing, right? And I published 12 books. So what, right? How many people actually have seeing your book and you know uh you know what impact have you actually had right but look at this right these like bad luck ill fortune art right that nobody care about right mm -hmm. just suddenly once it joins in with those millions of like nameless sutra prayer flags they just suddenly pick up so much power and force right they become one with the mountains and rivers, right? Right. So I just thought I'm going to turn my art into one of those prayer flags. I'm going to travel along the rivers and mountains and just to give poetry workshops and, and art and, and encouraging people to make their prayer flags, right? And which is their sutra or mantra, right? And I will sew them together and keep traveling along the rivers and bring them up to the mountains as their prayers and join the world and join the people's wishes together through prayer flags. And maybe someday this deed can change the world, right? I always, since I remember, I just always felt I came to this world with some kind of mission, right? Right. And I, I, I can't just live a life for my own benefit. I can't just eat, make money, raise children, and then die. That's not enough for me. I need to do something that brings something beautiful to this world and leave something beautiful behind. This moment is the perfect one. If you would do me the honor of reading a poem from your new book. Would uh, you do that for us? Third Eye. It's mid-April. A blizzard arrives with hail and sounds of chimes. Robins have begun their flight to the north, following the smell of snow and rain, the thawing earth and worms vertical migration. On her 80th birthday, my mother asked if I will go home one more time. 
a brainstorm in soft simplicity, a debate if I should become a citizen after three decades of wandering in America. A friend sent me the third snow by Yevgeny Yatushenko, a century-old poem from Siberia. Blizzard is indifferent to space or time. Please don't go back to China, pleads Gary Snyder, tears in his eyes. You know you're on their list, right? Via WeChat, my brother marvels at my home in St. Paul. How affordable compared to his six million yuan apartment, a hole on the island. He's willing to forego the breeze from East China Sea for a place in Minnesota freeze. Yesterday, I rode 15,000 meters in my single skull. Today, the Mississippi moans again under ice. Yet, robins know how to wait. They know when spring rides the cold front, when worms awakens the earth. They follow the 37th isotope during their flight between Guatemala and Minnesota. I applied for citizenship three times, but chickened out after the fingerprints. I never showed up for the swearing. For 30 years, my mother had tried to unlock the secret of Dao De Jing. She was allowed to step into the way only after she lost her sight at 73. I know I'm on the list. I was arrested talking to migrants in a village that is now 178 meters beneath the Three Gorges Dam. When the blizzard blows robins off course, they fly towards the sun, following its angled light to get back on track. Two free radicals spin in their eyes under the blue light, like two lovers, radiant with joy. This is their quantum coherence, our inner compass through each blizzard, forever pointing towards home. Yeah. That reading was beautiful. Thank you. Beautiful. Yeah. And it's the way that I wish and want this segment to end because the life in you is the reason I do this show. Thank you. And before we sign off, Lynn, do you have anything else? I think you said it beautifully. I I almost don't want to add another word. Oh, thank well, you. We will we'll stop this segment here. And Wayne Ping, we will have you back anytime that you ever want to have on this show. Um, you are a member of the Southern Collective Experience for life, as long as I'm concerned. And um, to, to, to have you as a friend uh, is one of the most precious things that I have in this life. Before we shut this train down on the tracks, let's listen to Only by Warfield.
And we did it again. This has been February 2023's Dante's Old South. And again, I'm your host, Flippard Brooks. Before I let you go, I want to thank our guests and the musicians that made it all worthwhile, as well as those who make the show possible, like Mercer University Press, The Woodbridge Inn, Autism Speaks, Mostly Mutts, The Red Phone Booth, Liberty Trust Hotel, WUTC, NPR, Richard Wenham, and the man you heard last, Michael Amade. Now, if you want to know about my work, like the books, Draw Broken Eyes, Whirling Metaphysics, Athena Departs, or Exiles of Eden, reach out to me on my email, cliffordbrooks at southerncollectiveexperience.com, or visit my website, www.cliffbrooks.com. Last but not least, I do have courses out there to help you embrace your dreams and get published. And if you want to know more, visit www.brooksessions.teachable.com. Again, thank you for tuning in. This has been Dante's Old South, and my name is Clifford Brooks. Y'all be good to one another, and good night.